Father, we just want to thank you, Lord. For we praise you, we worship you. You're an awesome God. You're an awesome God. Yes, Lord, we bring you the sacrifice of praise this morning. It's the fruit of our lips. Confessing your name. Your name, which is all sufficient for us. The great I am. The I am that I am. That's what you said. That's what you told Moses, O Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That we can come to you in that precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you. And Lord, even as we now meditate upon your word, Father, continue to cleanse us, continue to wash us, continue to sanctify us, continue to separate us, continue, Lord, to order our footsteps, Lord. Continue to bring divine order, which will not only work in our lives, but Lord, there will be an outworking of it, even in the minutest details of every area of our lives, O Lord. And therefore, O Lord, continue to work your word into us, O Lord. For we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, that you have ordained for us even before the world began. And therefore, this morning, I pray, Father, that Lord, that you would grant us the anointing of the Holy Spirit to understand to appreciate, to enjoy, to delight your word, in your word, and Lord, and also, Father, to obey it from the bottom of our hearts, that form of doctrine to which we have been delivered to. Grant us grace to that end, we pray, and anoint us in the preaching and in the hearing. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God speaks and we need to hear. To hear from God, I mean, um, if you were in the Q&A sessions, you've been listening to so many um, aspects of life as to how the gospel works in our life, in practical areas, practical, in every department of our lives. And uh, one of the things that we heard if you remember some time back, at least I think it's uh, at least two Q&A sessions before, we heard the fact that in order to hear, we need to order ourselves. What brings clarity is order. And we're talking about spiritual order and all the other order that uh, that uh, that is required of us as, as, as believers. And in order to hear from God, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's imperative that every believer, uh, hears from God, you know, because we are no longer under the old covenant, uh, there's no mediator. So, we need to hear. Okay, if you look at the entire Bible, I mean, the Bible can be br- broadly classified in three, into three dispensations, okay. We have the dispensation of the patriarchs, okay. And then, of course, after the patriarchs, we had the dispensation of the law. Yeah. And then, of course, after Jesus came, law came through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then we had the dispensation of grace. But if you look at through, look through all this, all these dispensations, there's one common factor. You know what it is? 
that everyone among all these dispensations had to hear. That's the common thing. Okay. Let's just look, let us look at for, for, for some examples. Let us start with Abraham. If you learn, turn to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Okay. Look at what it says. Uh, verse um, 1 onwards. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show to you. Show to you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and you, and make your name great and I will, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you, etc. And verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lord went with him. So there was a hearing and there was an obeying. Okay. And, and in fact, Galatians, it goes on to say that the gospel was preached to Abraham. It's remarkable. You can t- look at that verse in Galatians chapter 3 verse 6. What a fantastic verse that is. Just uh, 3 verse 8, sorry. 3 verse 8. It says, The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel <laughs> to Abraham beforehand saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Remarkable, isn't it? Again, Genesis chapter 15 verse 1, look at some nuances over here. I want to look at some certain interesting nuances. After these things, the word of the Lord came to him or came to Abraham in a vision. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Saying, do not be afraid, Abraham, I am your shield, I am your exceedingly great reward. They heard. Now what is this word vision? It's a very interesting word which I want to come back to later on, but... Uh, to get a, get a, 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 an unfolding of it. Now I like the word, you know, entrance of his word brings light. The ESV will say, the unfolding of your word brings light. Let's just unpack that word vision, which is a very interesting word. If you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 30 to 32, very interesting. We know this verse very well. 32, 33 in fact. I went by the field of the sluggard or the lazy man and by the vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. Okay. So, if you want to see a disorderly man, uh, this is a guy over here. And what is it? And there it was all overgrown with thorns. Absolute no order. The surface, surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. See? All order. I mean, you can do a complete sermon on that. We'll do a study later on. And verse 32. When I saw it, that's the word vision. When I saw it, okay, when see, this is essentially considered seeing it, unpacking it, intensely observing it. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and I received instruction. Four things I mentioned. That is how a vision works. The outworking of the vision. I saw it. I considered it well, I looked on it and I received instruction. So he looks at the uh, the the field of a sluggard, if you will. He considered it carefully and he receives instruction. And word for instruction is discipline, rebuke, word, command, chastisement, and the rebuker as well. That's the word for instruction. And so what is the instruction that he received? He looked at this field and he received instruction. What is the reason for him to have this kind of a life? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. He said, boy, this is the reason why this guy has got this. So you see, when Abraham had a vision, he just said, don't, don't say, oh, he just had a vision. Just don't have this um, very quaint and... Uh, uh, what do you say? Uh, Sunday school version and, and or a Hollywood version of visions. 
There was a considering of it. He saw it, he considered, he looked and he received what? Instruction. That is how vision works. We'll come back to it later on. So, that is how hearing works. It's the unpacking of the word of God in our lives. And a lot of people don't have this. They don't see it. And even if they see it, they don't consider it. They don't look on it. And they don't receive instruction. There are so many things that happens. Okay. And you see, it's not only the word. We have to, I think it was um, lectures to my students by Spurgeon. You know what he says? My life is a book. I have the book. I have books in my library. And my life is a book. Other believers are books. People around the world who are going into hell are books. And I look around and I receive instruction. It's very interesting. When uh, Paul goes to Athens, he sees the idolatry. And his spirit is stirred. He's constantly receiving instruction. One of the things you need to understand, you know, everywhere is instruction. After having um, um, come into the preaching ministry, the gift keeps on operating in your life. You cannot stop it. Okay, there is, how long do you work? How many hours do you work? 24 by 7 is what I will say. Okay. There is no per se limited uh, studying hours, etc. Constantly the gift is working in my life. And I look at certain things, the gift is working. Okay. Everywhere I look at girls, the gifts will work. I'm talking about women. Per se. I'm not, when I'm saying girls, don't misunderstand me, okay? Don't. <laughs> okay. When I look at the women around, when I look at the men around, when I look at the boys around, when I look at people around. Of this generation. I receive instruction. Constantly there's a gift which is operating, you know? There's a gift of revelation, the gift of, gift of teaching which is operating. And so I'm receiving constantly, I'm seeing it, I'm considering it, I'm looking onto it, I'm receiving instruction. One word, one sentence when pastor speaks, oh boy, when I look at it, it just unpacks itself. It's a gift, of course, and it's operating. What is what is happening? I'm receiving instruction, considering it well. I'm looking on it. I'm receiving instruction. See, that is what a vision is. Okay, understand this. Don't just, when he says vision, don't think Hollywood, oh, dream and one apparition appearing. No, no, no. These are not ordinary people, boss. These are men of an extraordinary God. Okay, they had revelations. Can you imagine what kind of a revelation he had to receive in order for him to make a move? <laughs> Every call of God is like that. It causes you to move. It's like Lazarus, come out. And he will come out. That is call. In the word of God, there is power. In our word, there is no power. When I say, Abigail, please come to the dining table to have food. Coming! The call has no power. She will say, come in, let me read this last chapter, let me read this last thing, let me just do this, let me do it until I go and physically sometimes lift her and come and put her in a dining table. See, my call has no power, but the word of God, boss, Lazarus, please come out. Specifically, okay. He has to come out. That is call. That is the call of God. Right. So understand. So during the time of Abraham, you can see even from you know this verses very well, Genesis chapter twenty-six. And this is Isaac. I'm just giving you a few uh, snippets and the feelers, if you will, to see this pattern. Okay, in the Bible, and there was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him, to him and said, "Do not go down to Egypt." So specifically, what, what did he say? 
do not go down to Egypt. And then he says, dwell in this land, etc. And, and in that year it says, Isaac sowed and he received a harvest. And he became more prosperous than, so prosperous and more prosperous and prosperous. So three times superlatives are used. Yeah, 12 verse. Then Isaac sowed in that land, reaped the same year, a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him and began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Kya baat This is, this is, I like this kind of prosperity. No? <laughs> Not simple, simple, one trickle, trickle. You, you begin to prosper, I continue to prosper until you become very prosperous. That is how it has to be. Begin to have account, no money in the account. Continue, I mean just the equivalent, okay. Continue to have money in the account until it becomes what? An overflow. Huh? Hey, what says that? <laughs> okay, that, that is hearing. It changes his life, right? And then again, of course, what is a specific word to Isaac? Don't, don't go to Egypt. And look at Genesis 46. Now this is another patriarch, okay. Verse one onwards. So Israel took his journey, okay, with all that he had. This is interesting. When Israel is mentioned, the collective of all is mentioned. Okay, his 12 sons and etc. All that is, uh, took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the Lord, the God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. Isn't it interesting? He spoke to Jacob and it's indirectly he spoke to all Israel, basically. That's what it means. Okay. Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. Verse 3. I am the God, the God of the Father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt. For him he said, don't go to Egypt. Now he's saying, go down to Egypt. I'll be, I'll be with you. I'll bring you back. Don't worry, etc. So every patriarch, okay, one thing even during the lives of the patriarch, the dispensation of the patriarchs, there was a hearing. Oh, no, let's come to the law. If you turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter, oh, sorry, Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. Look at what it says. And he said, if you diligently, what? Heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right. See, two things are mentioned. You are to hear and therefore, and you have to do what is right in his sight. The word is sight is ayin, before my eyes. From which we get that word eyes. So many words in the Hebrew, English are from uh, alphabet. From which we get the word alphabet. Aleph, bet. Aleph is the first Hebrew alphabet. Bet is the second Hebrew alphabet. Aleph, bet, from which you get the word alphabet. Okay. Aretz, from which we get the word earth. Mm-hmm. Nothing original in English. Okay. <laughs> There's only originality in God. Okay. Or we know, in other words, that was a source for all other language. That's interesting. From 22 consonants came every other consonant. Okay. And said, if you diligently hear the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in your sight and, ah, give ear to his command and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought unto the Egyptians. For, under, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee is a song that we confess. <laughs> but before that we wish, I wish we could confess this as well as our song. Okay. By the way, uh, don't think, oh, but this doesn't, uh, can, we can't put this to music. Oh, are you really sure? 
come and worship and bow down and kneel before the Lord your God and make If you hear his voice today, harden not your hearts. And that psalm ends not in a euphoria. The Lord sowed in his wrath that they will not enter into my rest period. Funasta. Tata bye bye. That's your, uh, that is your benediction for the day. Can you imagine? That is the kind of songs that they wrote. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep all the statutes, I will put none of these diseases. So it's all hearing. See, even in the dispensation of the law, the requirement is to hear. And they said, Oh, Moses, Moses, who could hear this voice? You hear, we will hear you, but we don't want God to speak to us directly. Come on! Understand that? You'll see uh, when Saul was given this commandment. Oh yeah, I obeyed the voice of the Lord. Hey, you did not hearken, it says. I mean, in First Samuel 15, don't have to turn there. Deuteronomy 28 verse 1, another, uh, another um, uh, example during the dispensation of the law. Hmm? It says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. You see again, you can put it in the KJV. It's very interesting. Heed, it uses the word, I think. Heed or hearken. Uses the word hearken. Yeah, yeah. And if it shall come to pass, if thou shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day. By the way, we are supposed to have the commandments and to obey the commandments. It's going to take an entire lifetime for us to do that. All the commandments in the New Testament and all the commandments revealed by the New Testament in the Old Testament. Everything. Okay. So we need to study the entire book and search for the commandments. The law. So where the commandment is lamp, the law is light. Reproofs of instruction are a way of life. Proverbs 6.23, don't have to turn there. To keep you from the immoral woman. From the seductress which flatters with her mouth. Today's, today's devotion for my children in the morning was... The way of the upright is upward and the way to hell is downward. 15.24 if I'm right, Proverbs. I was asking them, which is easy? To drive the cycle up the slope or down the slope? Hey, down the slope, uncle, we don't have to do anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to go to hell, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> easily we'll go, easily. Dumb. need to have commands. We need to obey. It's an upward path. That is the reason why come up and be there. Moses. Come up, come up, said John. Uh, God tell John, I'm going to show you. It's always an upward call. It's, it's that for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. It's a different law that we have been operating on. So that is what it is in the dispensation of the law. And what about the dispensation of grace? One verse uh, to to just summarize Revelation chapter 2 verse 7. And you know this verse very well. It says in verse 7, and when Jesus was there, when he uh, spoke about the parables of uh, parable of the sower in Luke's gospel chapter 8, he said, um, he said, uh, so went out to sow, etc., etc. After he finishes the parable, he says, he who has, he who has ears, let him hear. When Jesus was there. He who has hears, let him hear what I say. Now, when Jesus is gone, 2-7. He who has an ear, <laughs> let him hear what the Spirit 
says to the churches. Okay? Understand that? So we, everyone, we have to hear. And by the way, there is no plan B. We have to hear. Can you imagine? There's no alternative, Ante. This is absolutely no alternative for a believer not to hear. Okay. So how to, and he has to hear continuously. The voice of God speaking. What he speaks, we have to hear. And God is speaking, are we hearing? And why, that is the reason why we have this uh, warning in Amos chapter 8 verse 11 and 12. We know this verse very well. Right? It says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on their land, not of bread, not of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Okay. And honestly, a lot of people, when they have uh, bread and water, they don't want to hear, actually. That is the reason why for every person there should be a wilderness experience. God has to separate you, cut off the world from you, and he has to force you in the wilderness. He has to suffer you to hunger. And then feed you with manna. I'm telling you, these experiences should happen in our life and it happened in my life. And remember, specifically in my life, everything was shut. <laughs> and me and my two KJV Bibles were left. Morning to evening, I remember. Three to four to five months. Red and red and red and red and red and red. Feeding with the manna or the word of God. It has to happen. But how to get to, to the point where we continuously hear from God? Get in order. And what is the order? What is the order? What is that divine order that God prescribes that has to continuously happen in our life. Okay. Now, if you turn with me to Exodus chapter 25 and verse 22, it says, uh, if you turn with me there, 25, 22. Huh? And I will meet with you. Where? And I will speak with you. Kya baat hai? I will uh, meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which I give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Okay. Alright. So where will he meet and speak about the mercy seat between the two cherubim on the ark? Now think about this. The ark was made of acacia wood. Overlaid with what? Pure gold. Okay. No. Okay. Two, there were two kinds of gold. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> you need to understand this is just not good. It was ark was made of wood, rectangular shape, okay, some kind of dimensions, and was made of wood symbolizing humanity, covered with pure gold symbolizing divinity, and that is essentially what who Jesus is, right? And we have two arcs, if you will, in the old covenant. We have the ark of Noah. Okay, you have to be inside the ark <laughs> for the judgment to pass over you. Okay. And this is the ark of the covenant which has to be inside of you <laughs> for to continuously hear the voice of God. I'll tell you, I'm coming, I mean, I'll come to that point. Okay. So we had the ark, wood, overlaid with 
pure gold. And in the holy place and in the most holy place, there were two kinds of gold. There was pure gold and there was beaten gold. Mm -hmm. And the the lampstand, which symbolizes the church and individuals in the church, is made of beaten gold. That means which, which which symbolizes workmanship. Okay. So we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And that is all beaten gold. So we have pure gold and we have beaten gold. So we are but gold. Okay. But Jesus is pure gold. Understand this. Okay. So if you look at the ark, by the way, the tabernacle, God says, you know what? Now that Israel said, okay, we are going to obey the commandments and, and Moses sprinkles the blood, etc. They, they, Jesus says, God says, I want to come and dwell among you. I want to tabernacle myself among you. And you have to create a tabernacle or make a tabernacle exactly according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. Why? Because I want to dwell among your people. And a tabernacle we know has how many, how many parts? Three parts. It's essentially 30 cubits wide if I'm wrong, if I'm right. 30 cubits long. Out of the 30 cubits, 10 cubits is for the outer court. And 10 cubits is for the holy place and for the most holy place. So outer court, it has got the outer court and then it has the holy place and it has the most holy place, okay? And essentially we are also the outer court, which is our body, okay? And we have a soul, which is our mind, our which is essentially consists of three aspects. We know the will, the mind and the emotions in that order. Thank you, okay? Very important. The will, the mind and the emotions and emotions are very powerful. As long as they are under the will and controlled by the mind. Okay, so we have the will, mind and emotions, which is essentially the soul and the spirit. Okay, now first of all, we have to be born again. <laughs> he has to make us what? Alive. Right, he has to make us alive in the spirit. When we were not uh, born again, we were dead in our spirit. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. It gives us how completely dead we were. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 onwards. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 onwards. So what does it say? Hmm. And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses. How dead you were? How did you become dead in your trespasses? No, this is how he describes. In which you walked once according to the course of this world. Oh, this is interesting. No, That's a word course. You took several courses. In high school, I mean, till primary school to high school, you had compulsory courses. Which made you a slightly intelligent and informed sinner. And then you got a little specialized in maths, physics and chemistry. Made you a more specialized sinner. And then you did a bachelor's of engineering in one department. A little more specialized sinner. And then you did a PhD, master's and a PhD, the more niche sinner. So that is the course of this world. You take several courses and you become more and more informed as a sinner. Like uh, Ravi Zak who said, no? The guy who was being, uh, who was stealing nuts and bolts on the railway track. Oh, they said, yo, poor fellow, it's because of his lack of education, he's doing, doing this. So what did he do? Put him in the university. Send him to IIT. And that fellow came up with the technology to steal the entire railway track. Not just steal the entire railway track, to steal the railways itself now. 
because he'll go to IIM also after that. And he will become a manager in finance and he knows how to steal railways. So, boss, these are all educated, you know, the course of this world. That is how dead we were. We were taking courses in deadness. That's what's interesting. What is the course you are offering this semester? <laughs> every semester we were taking. A new batch coming. Every semester. And then, according to the prince of the power of the air, the guy is, there's a, there's a, there's a power of the air, the Satan, satanic forces. The spirit who works in the sons of what? Now the word for disobedience is very interesting. You know what the word for disobedience is? Apathemai, from which we get the word apathy. People who are totally disinterested. What is apathy? I don't know, I don't care. The irony. That is apathy. A total apathetic generation who absolutely are interested in nothing but themselves. Spirit who now works in sons of disobedience. And then, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh and and fulfilling the desires of the flesh and mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God how did he make us alive? How did he make us alive? Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 onwards. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 onwards. And you being dead, where? In your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made alive together with him by doing several things. First, having forgiven all your trespasses. Underline that. Point number one, having forgiven all our trespasses. Point number one. Second thing, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us. In other words, there were two ways to obtain righteousness. Either the righteousness by law or by righteousness by faith or through grace, by grace through faith. So he wiped out the handwriting of the requirements of the law that was against us, which was contrary to us, taking it all of the way. Third thing, having nailed it to the cross. Okay, third. And fourth, verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers. That was a spirit that was working in us, the spirit which was working in the sons of disobedience. It says in Colossians chapter 1, he translated us from the dominion of darkness and into the dominion of... Now, two people were translated in the Bible. Enoch and... uh, you know, when they were translated, they were completely translated. None of them was left. Not even a single, except for Elijah's cloak. They were completely lifted up from this dominion. That is what he says. He translated us from the dominion of darkness, having disarmed principalities and powers of darkness and making a public spectacle. And he made us sit together with Jesus where? In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is what is being made alive. That is how the spirit was reconnected back to God. And now we became a three-part being and in order now as believers to continuously hear from God three things we have been given. What is that? The body, the soul, and the spirit. And what a spirit which signifies the most holy place. And God is a spirit. And those who worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He speaks to our spirit. So what we should we hear? 
He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. That is where the Holy of Holies is. We are in our spirit man. So how do we reach that? Is a question. There is an order. Do you understand? As plain as day. Okay. You see, that's what it says. We use plainness, it says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3. We use plainness of speech. That means the moment you come into the new covenant, everything is made clear and plain. No, no more parables. I mean, not that we do, we don't have uh, parables, etc. But there is a revelation, and there's everything is plainness of speech, boldness. The word for plainness is boldness, confidence, plainness, without any hypocrisy, nothing added, nothing subtracted, plainness. Okay. So so many things happened. Okay. So now what what is what is he doing? The three parts. Though God has to speak to us, where in the spirit. That means we have to reach the holy of holies. And how do we reach that? What is the order? And what are those things that the spirit of God has to work in our lives so that so that or rather how what are the things that we have to surrender ourselves to for the spirit of God to work in our lives so that we will hear from God? Is a question. You understand? This is the order. Today being a teaching session, so understand clear, uh, pay attention, okay? First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Look at what it says. <clears throat> we know this verse very well, but for those who do not know, or for all of us again, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your, oh, whole spirit, <laughs> whole spirit, soul and body be preserved. Brilliant. So we want to have the opportunity, or rather we want to have to give ourselves opportunity so that we'll continuously hear. So you know what? What is continuous hearing? Even when, as you read the word of God, God continuously speaks. And then God interjects in your life and speaks to you a specific thing which is for your life, which will change the course of your life. Both of these things have to happen. When I was in the church for... uh, I think uh, I was uh, with Pastor James under his mentor- mentorship, if, uh, under his word, under his teaching, from the year 2007, late 2007, middle of 2007, until now. Okay, so I was called to full-time ministry sometime around 2010. Okay, I heard <laughs> till 2010, uh, 2011, if I'm right. So I was almost, I was always there 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, five years. I was there under him. And then I, the call was God was getting more and more clear. And when I heard clearly from the word, specifically for your life, for my life, that will change and alter the course of my life. Okay. I need to hear continuously. I need to hear specifically both. You understand? That is the reason why we have Keros and Kronos. Kronos is continuous hearing and Kairos is those individual moments, God defined moments where you will come to your life, interject into your life and change the course of your life. Both have to happen. So we need to hear. No plan B. Okay, like Pastor said, plan B is. So what should we, what should, what should we do in order to constantly consistently hear from God. What should be happening in our lives? Now the tabernacle gives us a pattern. Now as we, as we know, the tabernacle was made of what? 
the outer courts, the holy place and the most holy place. And there was a gate into the tabernacle where which which part of the which side ah to the east that means you have to turn your backs to this world and you have to enter in through that gate that is what we call as thank you doctor luke is like on the spot it's called as repentance we should not that means we have to our eyes were on the world okay and then we turn our eyes when he God looked at him when he turned aside to see. When we turn, that is what is called, called, called as repentance, 180 degrees. And we have, thank God, only this kind of vision. We don't have donkey vision. What is donkey vision? 360 degrees. It's interesting. It's got eyes over here. I'm wondering, only maybe it's only able to look here and here. No. It is able to look like this. You know, we have uh, laser sensors and robots. You know how the laser sheds its beams, that sensor, 360 degrees laser. All directions. So what should you do? You have to turn your backs to the world and you have to turn your eyes onto God. Fix your eyes onto Jesus. The author and finisher. Look unto him and be saved all the ends of the earth. Look unto the brazen cross on which the Prince of Glory died. We'll come to that. When I survey the wondrous cross, look, turn your backs to this world and turn your face towards God. That is the first thing that we constantly have to do every day of our life. Do you know that? Otherwise, we'll become like Israel. What did they become? Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 32 onwards. 32 to 35. 32 to 35. Yeah, because of all the evil of the children of Israel and the children of Judah, which they have done to provoke me to anger, they, their kings, their princes, their priests, their prophets, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Completely. Seven people are mentioned over there. Everybody messed up. How? Verse 33 onwards. And they have turned me the... Ah! They have turned me the back... And not the face. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them. It's interesting, no? When we used to go for our coaching centers, you know who used to come to the class first? The teacher. And the, and the students will trickle in. Even in my university. With those fellows, we are, are having uh, on-campus accommodation. They don't have to cook their food. They, they have everything in the mess. The mess is on time. The food is on time. All they have to do, 8.30 class, oh, you should see the rush. What is happening to you? They will trickle into the class. The professor is already there in the class. I mean, that is happening there, that happening even in, in, in churches. Now, now, for example, now everything is um, uh, online. We don't know how, when you trickle, now you can also do playback. We used to, it's okay, we can do a playback. It's only a shifting. We are linear time invariant systems. For those of you who did engineering, you'll understand that vocabulary. Okay? Time invariant means it doesn't matter when we hear, when we get up. It's the same God. 
rising up early. And that is the reason why morning by morning you awakened him. And I did not turn back as one rebellious. But what does a slugger do? As a door on a hinge. So is a sluggard on the bed. Boy, how I hate soft beds. Bad habits are soft beds. Very easy to get in. Very difficult to get out. Oh, but when it comes to the world, oh, I have to go to the office. No, no, no. For your money, for your extra income, for your uh, promotion, that is not a problem for you. But God rises up early, comes to the class, and you are trickling in. One by one, one by one, one by one. How is it that even when we are online, we don't have 17 concurrent listeners at the same time? People slowly trickle in, one by one, one by one. You see, that is how we know that you honor God. You know, the onset of internet has done something very interesting, okay? Those days, Islam was a mob religion. One fellow would, would do something, one speak some absolute nonsense, and everybody, 2,500 people would say, hello, Akbar. And everybody in the mob would think that fellow spoke something great. And the truth. Now, what happened to internet? Once the internet came, and when they started exposing the lies in Islam, everybody is caught before the computer, and there's no mob. You see how now the internet has started the end of Islam actually. The beginning of the end of Islam. Simply because everything is available now. And people are searching by themselves. People are exposing on the internet. And now what happens? Now you don't see the, the program on the internet as a mob. What is happening? God is capturing one Muslim at a time. And bringing them into the kingdom of God. What an awesome revolution that is. Anyways, that is only besides the point. So the thing, what is he doing? He is rising early in the morning and teaching them. Yet, they have not listened to what? Ah, to receive instruction, my dear brothers. See, we trickle in. We don't honor God. You know, my professor, when we had this first year, first semester class, right? You should see how he took the students for a for a for a session on discipline. Now think about this. These are all people who are in the top ranks in the in the in the in the in the country. So they think that they're, they're the cat's whiskers when they come to university. We have to cut their tails nicely. They'll come and yawn in the class. They will sleep in the class. They will lose concentration after forty-five minutes. They have prostate problems by the time they're eighteen. This is the problem. What I see in the class, I see in the church too. We trickle in. We rush into his presence. May the Lord teach us his ways. Rising up early and teaching them. Verse 34, but they set where? Their abominations in the house which is called by my name. To defile it. So you know, by doing that, what do they do? They turn their backs to me. Therefore, the first thing, in order to even receive instruction from God, what you should do? Turn your backs, meaning what? I'll tell you, when God rises up early, you rise along with him. (laughs) Boss, 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 boss. 
how many hours do you sleep? Minimum six to eight hours after sleep, boss. I was asking one of the students who came to me for coaching. When do you get up in the morning? Uncle, uh, 7 o'clock, 7.30. Ah, 7 o'clock, 7.30 you wake up. What time do you sleep? Uncle, 10.30. Ah, 10.30, 7.30 you wake up. You will get uh, top rank in uh, your exam. Continue to be like that. You have the same attitude everywhere. See, rising up early. So the worst, first step is what? Repentance. <laughs> repentance, 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 and repentance. Understand that? Okay. Turning your eyes. And the moment you turn your eyes in repentance, that's still not, it's maybe only conviction has happened. In order to receive forgiveness of first thing that you have to encounter in the outer courts is the brazen altar. Is the brazen. You cannot circumvent. You can, forget about hearing <laughs> from God. You cannot skirt the altar. You can circumvent the altar. You cannot avoid the altar. It is right there and it is huge. And that means you can't miss it. That is the work of the cross. It's huge. I think Art Katz was the one who mentioned this, made this powerful statement. He said, there are two holocausts that happened in humanity. You know what's the first holocaust? When they crucified the prince of glory. When I survey the wonder, wondrous cross, on which the, you know the actual original translation? Original lyric? When I survey the wondrous cross where the young prince of glory died. He was a young man. Hmm. The prime of his youth. And Hardcats uses a mathematical language. You know what he says? It is the place where the vectors of the mercy of God and the wrath of God meet. The vectors of the mercy of God and the wrath of God meet. And it's a huge thing. You cannot avoid it. It's a stumbling block. The stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. It is a huge work. It is a brazen work. It is right there staring at you and you cannot avoid it. You cannot avoid it. You cannot avoid the cross. It's right there on your face. And what kind of a cross is it? It's the old rugged cross. My riches gain, I count but loss, and I pour contempt on all my pride, all my degrees and my H2s of course, my PhDs. Chichik, I say. I pour contempt, I pour acid on it. I survey. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Nor thorns compose. So rich a crown. Were the whole realm of nature mine? Were an offering far too small? Love so amazing, so divine. Demands my soul, my life, my all. Forbid it. Lord, that I should boast. Save in the death of Christ, my Lord. 
all the vain things that charm me most. I sacrifice him to his blood. That is the cross. It stares at you. Is something everybody in the world knows that there was a cross. It is not the cross of the people who were slain. It is a one cross in Christianity. The own, the why did the cross get the glory? Simply because the Prince of Glory died there. Otherwise, the cross was nothing. Nobody talked about it because God was crucified on that. That's it. It is one thing which will stare and confront every human being ever in this planet Earth for all human for all time, as long as time lasts. Something which cannot be avoided. That is the altar. You understand, my dear brothers? That is the altar. That is a cross. And what is there on the cross? What happened on that cross? There was a transaction that took place. There was an exchange that took place. My sin for his righteousness. My curse for his blessing. My poverty for his riches. You know something? Believers cannot be poor in that sense. Meaning, we cannot have the spirit of poverty. We are rich. Not because we have a lot of money. We are rich because we serve a rich God and we have always sufficient to give away. You understand? That is the reason why it says, their poverty overflowed in abundance of giving. Hmm. You know why? Not because they had a lot of money in their bank. They gave not only by their means, but beyond their means. Because they serve a rich God. There was an exchange, there was a transaction, there was a transaction that happened on the cross. That is the altar which confronts you. Okay, My sin for his righteousness. My, cur- my curse for his blessing. Third, my poverty for his riches. It's a place of substitution. He took me. He took my place on which the prince of glory died. I am Barabbas. I was supposed to die there. But he took my place. And all the condemnation for my past sin has been taken away. My fleshly nature, the old man, according to Romans chapter 6 verse 7, was crucified on the cross. I should no longer Walk, I should walk in newness of life. This old nature, that nature of sin, that nature of rebellion. And he said, he put away sin according to Hebrews chapter 10. He took away sin once and for all. The power of sin and the nature, the human nature inside of me, they are nice buddies. They come together and they create havoc in our lives. Both are broken on the cross. And it was a place for absolute burnt offering. Meaning complete surrender to God. That is the reason why the altar is a place according to Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Don't have to turn there. It says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. How? It should be a living sacrifice. It should be a holy sacrifice. It has to be an acceptable sacrifice. Which is your spiritual, reasonable act of worship. That is worship. That is Latria, not Proskaneo. Proskaneo is easy. <laughs> Proskaneo is just to bow down. Everybody bows, bows down, no? We bow down, etc. We bowing down, not a big deal. Offering your bodies? Oh, sorry. That is the altar. 
offering your eyes offering your eyes offering your ears offering your tongue your tongue offering your laptop offering your fingers these days so easily you swipe on that my goodness you should see transmission between brothers and sisters in the church how fast it happens no sooner the video pops into your into your uh, whatsapp it's already transmitted to 1500 1500 different people on your uh, whatsapp list how fast it travels i'm shocked my goodness how come that's no wonder they said no before truth has tried its lies lies have gone around the world through different servers because whatsapp is all around the world in the cloud no <laughs> we get the complete revelation of this during these modern times the server in the pacific the cloud in japan yeah yeah the turn server floating in the pacific it's gone around the world and downloaded among so many smartphones by dumb people think about that and what kind of an altar was it it was a brazen altar bronze altar you know what bronze symbolizes bronze symbolizes two things it symbolizes examination second judgment both not just judgment how did jesus' feet appear in the island of patmos bronze feet why because he was standing in the midst of the lampstands examining his church and pro- proclaiming judgments to those who overcome and to those who do not overcome both examination and judgment cross is a place for examination and for judgment that is the reason why socrates the great great man said an unexamined life is not worth living it's not worth living examining yourself it's not a morbid what do you say uh, what do you say passion to uh, to spot and come bring yourself under condemnation i'm not talking about that i'm saying lord show me show me i want to be blameless in your sight i want to look you in the eye there should be absolutely no what do you say miscommunication or lack of communication between us i want to hear your voice more and more and more clearly i want to examine myself like like david says lord search me know me try me and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the paths of everlasting life you know why because you are the one who formed me you formed me you know exactly my down sitting and my uprising in other words he knows what makes what makes me stand up and what's what makes me sit down he knows my actions he knows everything about me therefore lord examine me lord search me search me and test yourself examine yourself if you are in the faith test your own self and see if christ is inside of you whether unless until you have become what reprobates it's brazen altar it's not brazen grace it's brazen altar which gives you the grace which imparts grace examination see look consider receive understand examination constantly examining a place of examination and what it says judgment begins where 
in the house of God. He's going to judge. He is going to judge the sons of Levi, it says. So after you have the bronze altar where you have offered yourself and you have judged yourself and you have examined yourself, you still have to, still haven't entered into the, into the holy place. What is still there? Excuse me. What is there? There's a labor. Labor. You know what, what kind of a labor it is? Ah, it's interesting. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 30, verse 17 to 21. 17 to 21. Aha. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, You shall also make a labor of, ah, bronze. It still hasn't stopped. And it's base also of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I, I want to meet you there. Between the tabernacle of the meeting and the altar, there is a place called the bronze laver. And you shall put what into it? Water into it. Let's read on. And Aaron, for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. Stop there. Stop there. Stop there for a minute. No, this is what he said. You should wash. You know, before you enter into the holy place, you have to wash. Aaron and your sons, you have to cross the, past the brazen altar. Ah, ah, outer courts, brazen altar in that song, we missed one thing. Labor we missed in that song, Baba. Very, 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 very important piece of furniture, if you will. <laughs> you have to be very, very... Now think about this. No, this is what he said. Moses said, you have to do this. A bronze altar. And he gave you... He gave him the... Uh, the uh, this is what it has to be. The shape, generally. I don't think he gave the specifications. And then he says, you have to anoint somebody. Whom should he anoint? Batsalel. And that guy will be given the spirit of wisdom, revelation, etc. And like a wise master builder, he will start building the bronze altar and suddenly the spirit of God will tell him what kind of bronze he has to use for the bronze labor. Okay. So now, Batsalel, he finishes the altar. Now he says, okay, next piece of furniture that is that is uh, that I have to build is the bronze labor. What kind of bronze I have to use? God, the spirit of God tells him. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 38, verse 8. In two translations, put it in the NKJV and the first KJV. First, first KJV. Okay, verse 8, 8, 8, first K, N, NKJV. He made the labor of bronze and its base of bronze. How? From the bronze mirrors of the serving woman who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Baba, you want to get into the tabernacle of meeting? Madams, can you just please open your purses? Yes, sir. You have all those bronze mirrors, no? At least 600,000 women were there with all their nice purses from Egypt with bronze mirrors in their pouches. Please give me all that bronze mirrors, please. I will tell you exactly why you should have mirrors in your life. What is that? Bronze mirrors. You know what the word for mirror is? In the Hebrew it's mara. From which we actually get the word mirror. Not mara. 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 Ra'a is to see. Mara is to look into the glass. It is also for the, the word vision. 
vision of whom? Of yourself. Now look at uh, the KJV, how it translates it. And he made the lever of brass and the foot of it did brass of the looking glasses. Kya baat hai? Of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle congregation. No, one of the pieces of uh, whatever you call it in a women's sports purse is the they have attached they have wallets with attached mirrors do you see do you, you will never see it in 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 uh, i know because i know my wife for not only the years which i was uh, which i'm married to i was quoting her every time i was to took, look take her wallet and you open it there's a mirror guaranteed is there you cannot miss it okay the looking glass is there looking glass so what should you do in order to first enter into the holy holy this is all happening by the way in the outer courts only still that fellow hasn't entered into the holy place it's still happening in the outer courts okay he's not even forget about most holy place this is this is outer court still okay so what should you do he has to look into the mirror now let us turn to james chapter 1 we know this verse is very well Verses 21 to 23 and 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 14 onwards. We'll we'll come to that later. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. The KJV uses the word superfluity of naughtiness. When I read it in the KJV, I said, what a language these people have. One of the things, if you are an, I mean, if you are a guy who knows English, one of the things that you have to have in your library is a KJV Bible. At least you have read once in your life. Because half the idioms in the in the English language come from the KJV Bible. It's the most elegant translation I've ever seen in my entire life. The beauty of the language. The graphic description of males. Okay. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness, what? The engrafted word which is able to Save your souls. You just able to save your souls. How? Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Otherwise you will be what? Completely deceiving yourself. Fantastically, beautifully deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the looking glass. He's looking at the glass. And what is he supposed to do? He has to wash himself. And what should he wash? His hands and his feet. What does his hands signify? Double-mindedness. Friendship with the world. He has gone to the world. He has looked at the world. And he has been seduced by the seductions of this world. And suddenly his mind is split. And he's got two affections. Some part of his mind is has has affections to the world. And some part of his mind has got affections to, to, towards his God. And God says that is a double-minded person. That is an adulterer. An adulteress's friendship with the world is enmity with God. Purify. You cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That has to be cleansed. That's your hands. And what is your feet? That is like pastor says, right? That is the part of your anatomy which touches this earth. Touches this earth. All the ideas. All the bombarding thoughts. 
the thoughts are being bombarded through media, through Twitter, through YouTube, through YouTube advertisements between messages. Etc. 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 I have seen some. Mess- I mean, great men of God. I don't know why they have to monetize like that. They monetize their channels, and they'll be preaching some fired-up word. Suddenly, one stupid lad will come in the middle of the word, and I have to listen to the message. What should I do? I can't listen. I have to download it first before I listen it. Listen to it. I said, why is he down monetizing? Babylon, my dear brothers. I'm not saying that you should not receive from believers. Why should you receive from the world? Does it not say that you should, they have gone to the world proclaiming your gospel, taking, receiving what? N-O-T-H-I-N-G from the Gentiles. Nothing from the Gentiles. But he who looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. He is not a forgetful hearer, but the doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. What is he doing? He's constantly cleansing himself. He's looking at the bronze altar. He's judging himself in the light of the word of God. And what does he see? Does he see the reflection of Jesus Christ or not? Has the reflection of Jesus Christ been marred with dirt and everything? Clean it. Cleanse it. Your heart's and your minds have to be cleansed. And how should be how should they be cleansed? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter five. So many things are there. Verse twenty five onwards. <clears throat> yeah, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for for the church. That is a work of the altar. What altar? Bronze altar, right? Work of Jesus. So that, see the order? Sanctification does not happen before justification. First he justifies you. You repent of your sins. Asks therefore, there are two cleansing agents. What are the two, two cleansing agents? John's Gospel chapter 5 verse 4, verse 6 if I'm right. If I'm right. Yeah, 5 verse 5, 5, 5 onwards. John's Gospel chapter 5 verse 5 onwards. Yeah. Now, one John, one John, one John, chapter five, verse five. Sorry, sorry, bro. One John, chapter five, verse five. What am I saying? Yeah. Who is he who overcomes the world, but who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. There's two cleansing agents for the believer: the blood of Jesus, which will cleanse you from all your sin and make you righteous. Before God, this is your work of the altar and the water of the word which sanctifies you. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Paul says, Peter says, wash me completely. You are clean already because of the word that I have spoken to you. I don't, I don't have to give you the wash completely. Now all that you have to do is, you have to wash your hands and you have to wash your feet. And how does these, this has to happen? We know this. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ Jesus loved the church. That is the work of the cross. Right? So that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of water by the word. That is the work of the word. The work of sanctification. And then, how? That he might present her to himself a what church? Glorious church. You know what? Glorious church. 
you have KJV? Luke 7.25. Okay, now look at this verse. But what do you went out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled. Now, what does the word for glorious church now? Gorgeously apparelled. You know, that's what, you know, when the, when you dress up the bride, boy, you look gorgeous. That's not when Jesus, that righteous, uh, the, the white linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And you know, when he looks at this, at, 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 his, at his bride, what will happen? His heart will skip a beat. Gorgeously apparelled. Gorgeously apparelled church. Without spot, without a wrinkle, smooth completely. Glowing with beauty. Not of the outer man, but of the inner man. You know what will happen that day? Don't worry if you don't have a sharp nose and beautiful looks. Have a beautiful spirit. And that day, what is your inward beauty will become outward beauty. And all the Miss Universes and the Mr. Universes and everybody you adored on this side of eternity, the Schwarzeneggers and Shivajanegars. Okay. Suddenly on that day, they'll appear in all their glory. That'll be awesome. So how does he do it? Next verse, verse 26. Oh, sorry, verse 20, yeah, exactly, 20, 28, 28, 28, uh, 28, yeah, Ephesians 5, 28, yeah. How does he do it? I like certain words. So husbands ought to love their own wives uh, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, okay. For no one hated his own flesh, but how does he do it? He nourishes it and he cherishes it. Just as the Lord does the church. So what does he do? He cleanses and he beautifies and every day he gives her good food. What kind of food does he give? Go to Ezekiel chapter 16. Don't have to turn there. Don't have to turn there. Do your homework. The food for the bride. There's one food for the bride which will, which will nourish her. And then when he nourishes her, he also cherishes her. Do your homework, Ezekiel chapter 16. Okay, what kind of food he gives the bride. Okay, and then verse 30. Hmm? <clears throat> for we are members of his body and his flesh and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his husband, to her, to her wife, to his wife. And they shall become one church. And he's talking about, of course, Christ and his church. So, cleanses and washes. That is the work of the brazen labor. And if it doesn't do it, what will happen? Turn with me to, again, Exodus chapter 30 and verse 20 and 21. <clears throat> when they go into the tabernacle of the meeting or when they come, this is the priest, okay? We are all priests, by the way, okay? And when they come near the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they should wash with Water, huh? Ah, oh, lest they die. Next verse, verse 21. They shall wash their hands and their feet. Lest they die. You think we can circumvent it? That is the reason why. Past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face where? In the brine's labor. And wash myself there. 
I want to see your face there and wash myself. Otherwise, I will die. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you don't wash yourself, you will die. Think about it. Not, not taking a bath for 21 days. What will happen to you? Try it. Just for two, three days, lots of things start happen, begin to happen. Not taking a shower. You think it's lest you die. And you know, honestly, there's no cleansing in the church. Think about it. A guy who spends under the shower for 25-30 minutes and takes a nice steamy shower. And a guy who just goes and comes out. Like most children do. Over. Over. Yeah, over. Shower over. And after a while you will see layers and layers. Or whatever. Then you have to take the fuller soap and the refiner's fire. And cleanse the sons of Levi. Can you wash? Can you wash? See, the problem is, and what happens? Exactly how many, many churches are. 15 minutes, <laughs> over. It's a very fast shower. They get in and get out. So most of the dirt remains. And it continues to accumulate. That's the point. Over a period of time, infection starts. And results to death. So we have infected churches, Baba. Understand this, these are principles, lest you die otherwise. So what, what, what do we have? The bronze altar, the bronze laver, with the looking glasses of the women from the, who are assembled at the tabernacle, at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. You guys, you want to enter and first give me your brazen altars, brazen, brazen mirrors first. The mirrors is to see your reflection, to see if Christ is there, otherwise it's not there. The inner beauty of a meek and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is what? Precious. Precious. Do you see that? Is a question. So otherwise, there's no hearing. And this has to continuously happen. I mean, there's no, I'm just talking about the order, of course, but this is happening inside the tabernacle of a believer because it says the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory. There, yeah, inside of us, right? The glory of the only begotten. Full of grace. So we have the bronze labor and then we have the first veil. <laughs> and you have to cross the veil and enter into what we call as the holy place, which has got three pieces of furniture and no external light. It is completely covered. What is it got? Now generally, the way they describe it is they talk about the shoebread. They took up, talk about the lampstand. And they talk about the altar of incense. 
and finally about the covering. But I want to start with the covering. What should I start with? Because that is my favorite topic. Not just because it's a favorite topic, because we have a church which has no covering, unfortunately, in these last days. We have a compromised covering. What is the covering? It is the authority. And how does the, how is the covering made of? It is made of four materials. First part is the linen material, right? It's made of what? Scarlet. It's made of, uh, purple and blue linen. Upon that is covered something else. Goat's hair. Upon that is covered what? Ram's hair, ram's skin dyed red. And upon that is covered badger's skin. That is a covering given. The question is, what is the kind of covering you have? If I were to ask all of us, I mean, people who are listening, maybe people in the in GTC, the kind of covering which you have to submit yourself to, those coverings, or rather, symbolizing the authority under which you have come, have to have four distinct characteristics. The first thing when you, like, by the way, in the holy place, there's no external light, external light. You know that, right? There is no external light. All that external light is gone out of the window. It's an absolute dark place and only source of light is the, what? Is the lampstand into which the oil is being poured continuously, by the way. And in the holy of holies, absolutely no light. And the only light which is present is the Shekinah glory. Totally dark. Come to that later on. But first, we'll talk about the covering. What is that? The covering. I like the covering first. I can talk about the shoe bread. I can talk about the lampstand. I can talk about the altar of incense, which is the only linking point between the holy place and the most holy place, by the way. That is the reason why if you see the altar which is there in the old covenant, it is there at the entrance of the holy place or, or the most holy place. And if you look at it in the new covenant, when you need to see, uh, see the description of it in Hebrews chapter 9 and 10, you'll see it is inside the holy place. Why? Because the high priest had to take the incense from the altar of incense. Once in the day of atonement, where should he do? What should he do? He has to take that incense, which is, which symbolizes intercession, intercessory prayer, and he has to cover the ark of the covenant completely with the smoke from that incense. Otherwise, what will happen? He will die. He has to sprinkle blood, make atonement and rush out. Now, once Jesus is there, he's forever what? Making intercession for us. So it's there inside the holy place. Okay, whole, most holy place. We'll come, we'll come to that later. But today I want to talk about covering. First, covering has got how many aspects? It has got four aspects. First is what? The linen. You know what it is? That is the inner life of the authority which you have submitted yourself to. Which is completely not visible to the world. It is the inner life. Second Corinthians chapter four verse sixteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Okay, sixteen or seventeen. Okay, sixteen or seventeen. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being what renewed day by day. Okay, these are the people. Whose inner life is being renewed day by day. Let me tell you why this is important. I believe that all of us as men are called to be what? 
colors. What should we have? We should have an inner life. Thought life. Zach Brunn made a powerful statement, I can never forget. The most secret area of your life that nobody sees is your thoughts. Not even your wife knows it. What you are thinking. What a statement that is. Your thought life. What you see, how you see, what you hear, how you hear, what you speak, how you speak. When people speak, they know what their thought lives are, right? Because as a man thinketh, so is he. It's an absolute reflection of what, what comes out of his mouth is a reflection of his heart. And you cannot escape it, by the way. It's a spillover. When something comes out of somebody pushes, what is there will come out. Aroma might come out. Filth can come out. But from some the same spring, you cannot have what? Bitter and sweet water. No, that's the inner life of the believer. The thought life. And as men, all of us men, and of course women, ask God, Lord, let me have the helmet of salvation that I will think thoughts. I will have pure and holy thoughts. Continue to work on my thoughts, Lord. My thoughts, inner life, secret life. Nobody sees it. What I do in secret. My inner life. And that, what what is happening to that guy? It is being renewed day by day. Now that's interesting, right? right? It's the inner life is covered by what hair? Goat's hair. What is goat? Goat's hair, a symbol of sin. You know what these people are? They are aware of their absolute sinful nature like Apostle Paul. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And these are a people who have taken the lowest position in the church in terms of their humility. What do they call themselves? It says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8. Look at what it says. Ephesians chapter 7 verse, uh, sorry, chapter 3 verse 8. Okay. To me who am, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. They are a people who have a servant attitude. They want to serve you. You know something? When I am studying the word of God, what should be my intention? Lord, I want to be a person who will wash the feet of the saints by the water of the word of God. I want to take that position. I want to be a servant. They have a servant heart. Work hard as a servant. Study yourselves to show to, to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the work of the handy. They are aware, Lord, I am absolutely nothing, Lord. They have taken the least position in the church. And the seventh uh, and the third one, Romans chapter seven, verses seventeen onwards. Hmm? Okay. 17 or But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know, who's this? Paul. He knows that is in my flesh. Nothing good dwells. Verse 22. 
ठीक है फॉर आई डिलाइट इन द लॉ ऑफ गॉड अकॉर्डिंग टू द इनवर्ड मैन बट आई सी अनदर लॉ वर्किंग इन माय वेमर्स वॉरिंग अगेंस्ट द लॉ ऑफ माय माइंड एंड ब्रिंगिंग मी ही इज यूजिंग एवरीथिंग इन द फर्स्ट पर्सन यू सी दैट ब्रिंगिंग अस नो ही सिंग ब्रिंगिंग मी into captivity the law of sin and death which is in my members and he says verse 24 oh wretched man that i am who will deliver me from this body of death there are a people who know that they are wretched goats hair and what are they covered with they are covered with a ram skin dyed red ram is a princely animal right what was what did abraham found find in the thicket a ram in place of isaac ram skin that's the reason why when i survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory ram skin dyed red ram skin dyed red symbolizing what that these people they know that they have a sinful nature but they've been covered by the prince by the blood they are under the blood they are a set of people on whose ears is the blood and the anointing okay they have the on the, whose right thumb and whose right toe there's a blood and there's an anointing there's a covering that is a kind of covering and finally badger skin you know what badger skin is an attractive shaggy hair okay in the forest lived a funny fox combing out its shaggy locks that means these are people who are so unattractive to the world when they look at them they'll say are what these people are simple ordinary people they have no beauty in them that they should be desired that means they're unassuming the messengers of ahaziah come to him and said we found this man when you were asking us to go to uh, inquire of belzebub the god of ekron this fellow confronted and he said go and tell this fellow as if there is no god in elijah in israel that you asked us to ask to go to uh, to inquire of belzebub the god of ekron you will not come back from your bed you will die how did he look like we don't know that fellow he spoke with such authority a camel's hair and a leather belt sorry bob this fellow is elijah Apparel proclaimeth the man," said Francis Bacon. That means what? When you dress, these are the people who never attract attention to themselves. When they look at them, they say, "Oh, sadaran, who are they? Sadaran, hey, both. Hey, what pastor is? Oh, they are one in the crowd in that sense." the attraction comes because people know their inner life their attraction comes because people know that these people have a sense that they are sinners covered by the blood of the lamb their attraction comes because you know what they never attract draw their attention to themselves but to the christ in them and not to themselves matthew chapter 11 verse 7 
as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out, go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Hey, indeed those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, more than a prophet. For this is he whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before me. These are the people who are preparing a way for the coming of the Messiah in the hearts of the people in the church. But what are they? They are people who are unassuming, unattractive. They never show off. That is the reason why when pastor made a fired up statement the other day, he said, look at those people, how they dress. Forget their word. When they look at, when you look at their dress, forget it. Don't even receive their word. Because there's no reverence for God. I was stunned when he made that statement. And I had so many people in my mind, but this guy, but this guy, but this guy. Na, 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 na. Now I know this was those guys, by the way. The problem is, the church has lost its covering. You know why? Because people are compromised. There's no covering over the church anymore like this. Unattractive men to the world, but strong with the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit over their lives. Where are they? Elijah, unattractive man, but gone through the furnace and the cleansing work of God. And he goes to his widow Zarephath and becomes her covering. Boaz is a man who is unattractive. Right? And you know what he tells Ruth? Oh, I thank you that you did not choose some of the young men for yourself as a bride, but you came under my wings. What did you see in me? What kind of a beauty did you see in me? I saw your character, Boaz. I know your character. Do we have covering like that? Do we have covering? So the problem is, church has lost coverings, boss. It's over. I'm looking at Twitters of big, big men of God. They say so many things and have said nothing like Obama. We don't know where they stand. And they've lost their respect. And we from third world countries, we spend our dollars and buy their books and their CDs. What are you? What have you been building, Babylon or Jerusalem? What have you been building? Showing the exposing the nakedness like Aaron, or covering like Moses, saying, "Lord, first you kill me, and then you take them." That's, that is Paul. You know what he says? I wish I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. My kinsmen according to the flesh. From where did he get that even his emotions were under the, under, by, by being directed by the word of God. He had a precedence in Moses. He said, cut off my life, God. Moses said it first. That is a covering. Who is your covering, brothers? There is no covering. You know what will happen to the light? It will be put out. You know that? <laughs> when you there's no covering, you allow all the other kinds of light to come into the holy place. All the other worldly ideas. When you're supposed to cover and shut the holy place from all the ideas of the world. And the only light that has to be available in the holy place is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's an illuminated mind by the filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The seven lampstands. 
And what should it shed light on? On the shoebread. On the table of shoebread. And what is the table of shoebread? It is the life of Christ. And the light of the church has to shed life, light on the life of Christ. That is the purpose of the church. Because the lampstand represents the church, right? We know that. The seven lampstands. Life of Christ. Unfortunately, we have lost it. And therefore, if this is lost, if the covering is lost, can you hear the voice of God? Can you hear the voice of God? Isn't it interesting that before Samuel ever hears the voice of Eli, first he has to hear the voice of his mother, the covering. He has to hear the voice of Eli, the covering. And then he hears the voice of God. Unfortunately for David, I feel one of the things that he lacked in his life was a covering. Hmm. Really, I mean, I think so. I don't know. And therefore the guy was struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling and finally God covered him. Praise God. Samuel was supposed to be his cover. He was mourning for Saul. He had taken him under his wings. Why did we have an Elisha? Because he came under the covering of Elijah. And he refused to go away from the covering. And you had all the other 50 sons of prophets who said, do you know know that your master is being taken away from it? He says, I know, shut your mouth, I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. Where are the Elishas who come under the covering? Are we Elishas? Are there Elishas in this church even? Who will come under consistent covering, constant covering? Or do they want to do things independently of themselves? Where will you hear the voice of God without a covering? Covering is gone, my dear brothers. Covering is gone. The covering has been taken away and it's been constantly happening. I'm looking at big, big churches, big, big names. I don't want to mention because I don't, I don't think I'm in a position to mention names, but I'm so, so sudden, sudden times when I look at those coverings, they're gone. Then they don't, they're supposed to shed life in the light of Christ. And they're saying, I leave it to the conscience of the people. What are you talking about, my dear brother? What are you talking about? You know why it says, they speak like this, it says in Jeremiah, because there is no light in them. I think it's Isaiah or Jeremiah. There's no light in them. There's no light. Because the covering is gone. And the light has been put out. That's what it says. The light was almost being put out in Shiloh. Because the covering was being taken, the covering was being compromised. There was no widespread revelation in the church. Because a covering was becoming compromised. And the next generation was a compromised bunch of absolute sons of Belial. God has to raise for himself a priesthood who will become the covering for the nation. Who will have the audacity when they look into the eyes of his people and he says, Have I desired your donkey? Have I desired your money? Have I desired your ox? No, they say. covering. And then you have the shoebread. You know what is shoebread? It is a... How is bread made? Bread has to be made from grains. Grains don't get transformed into bread. How should they be first of all brought? They have to be sickled from the world. Separated from the world, brought into the granaries and then what? Crushed. That is what we call as a surrender of the will. You cannot have an illuminated mind 
with or a surrendered will. If anyone ah uh, ah uh, wills to know his will, John seven seventeen for the people who don't know it. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know. Ah. So, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. But a body you have prepared. My ears you have opened. I desire to do your will, O God. And your law is within my heart. What is it? The first thing is a surrendered will. It's the crushed will. The grains have been sickled by the evangelist. See, by the, in the fivefold anoint uh, gifts, you have the largest finger. You have the you have the apostle. You are the finger pointer called the prophet. Okay, and you have the largest finger, which is the evangelist. He is the largest ministry, calling people into the granaries. So what should he do? He has to use the sickle called the word of God, the evangelism. And he has to cut the people from the world and tell them, be saved from this perverse generation and bring them into the church so that they can come under the doctrine of the apostles and be crushed. Not only crushed, baked. Not on one side. Otherwise you will become what? Half-baked believers on both sides nicely under the fire. That means every day you are to be tested by the... In the how you will be tested whether to do your will or God's will? That is your testing. It's a fire. To get up or not to get up? <laughs> Early in the morning. To go for a jog or not to go for a jog and bring your body into subjection. Oh, today, rain, cold... Got up late. Body will say, no, no, Vijay. Just relax. What do you say? Shut up, you fellow. Run. Crush the will. Crush the will. Bake it on both sides. And then what happens? You surrender it for how many days? For six days. Seventh day, you have to change again. Ah, fresh crushing, fresh baking. You know that, right? Ah. And then what will happen? My will is to do the will of God and you have food not that I do not know you. You know what? You become nourishment. That you receive supernatural strength from God to do His will. And then you have what we call as a seven golden lampstand under the anointing. Made of what gold? Beaten gold. How many cups does it have? Seven lamb stamps. How many cups? <laughs> ten cups. Aha. What is ten a number of? It is a number of the congregation. Whenever you have ten, you have a synagogue. You have a congregation. That is the reason why ten, five virgins, five wise, ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. Both had no what? One had oil. The other have no oil. What does it mean to have oil? How many lampstands? Seven lamps. It's a completion of the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit according to Isaiah chapter 11. Learn there to Isaiah chapter 11, please. Verse 2, 3, 4 onwards. Okay, can you put it in KJV? Okay, this is absolute KJV. This is like rock solid, good old Victorian English. Okay, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. 
Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And verse 3. And he shall make him of what? Quick understanding. You know what word quick understanding? Ah, 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 ah. Smell. The word is to smell. This place, there's no fear God in this place. Shishi, kampu. Let's get out of this place. Sodom. Gee, no fear of God here. Smells its stench of this world. I don't even want to touch this place. Some rescue them as through fire, refusing their to touch their garments which has been defiled by the flesh. That's exactly what Abraham said. Baba, I'm going to rescue you out of fire. But I'm not going to touch your garments. I smell no fear of God. Quick to understanding of the fear of God. It's a sense of smell. Who gave it? So Jesus knew where there was fear of God and where there was not. He could smell it. You know, I could smell a rat. Huh? What's the smell? Huh? Pastor comes immediately. He's got a very sharp sense of smell. He says, what is that smell? <laughs> smell. He's quick to understand. And smell where there is fear of God and there is no fear of God. Where there is authority, where there is honor, where there is where there is where there is order, where there is no order, you can smell it. Where there is aroma of Christ, or there is an aroma of death. What is that? Sevenfold. It's the illuminated mind, constantly under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? All this has a what? It has a covering, my dear brothers. Covering, covering, covering. And then you have the altar of incense. And what does it have? It has got incense. It has to have some kind of a very important ingredient. Okay. And what is it supposed to do? The priest has to take those prayers and the blood of sprinkling onto the most holy place. Most holy place has got what? The ark and the mercy seat. Mercy seat has got two cherubim looking at each other. Right? completely covering the broken law <laughs> which you are broken by the sprinkled blood and from there God speaks and then you say today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts after speaking so much still he leaves a choice to us do you see that isn't it interesting There's order to hear. Do we have that? There's an altar. There's a labor. There's a crushing of the will. There's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And there's prayers. But all under the covering. And then you hear one day, Samuel, Samuel. (laughs) Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And you know what happens? You will be established from Dan to Beersheba. When the word of the Lord was very rare, it's going to become very common. <laughs> because of you. For the one man who will hear. The question is, will you be that man? So many things to say, but I'll stop here. Let's pray.
Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day. We heard these things so many times in different, different contexts. Nothing is new. But I pray, Father, that you have stirred us in our memory. Brought us back into our memory, into our remembrance, things that we have already spoken into our spirit man. And quicken those things which have been there, deposited into our deeper, most inner man. And this morning I pray, Lord, that you would bring life out of what was already there and make it life for us. So that we will continuously hear. We thank you, Father, for this day. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We give you glory. May you find in this church and in those people who will be hearing even now and in the days to come, people who will be willing to come under the covering so that they can continuously hear your voice. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen.